the shepherd is intricately involved. And so in pastoral preaching, we're getting right in the middle of our people's lives. We're not, we're not looking at the word generically. We're looking at the word specifically. How does this word affect my congregation that gathers at 3175 Germantown Road South in Memphis, Tennessee? Uh, you know, how, how does it affect these people that have covenanted together? And, and so as I'm preparing, uh, I'm, I would do it much differently than if, you know, if you said, hey, come over and preach in my church. And, and you know, I don't know any of those folks. Well, I want to try to have a very clear biblical message. But with my congregation, I'm, I'm thinking about this person is walking through X, Y, Z issue. This person has this particular struggle with sin. This person is is agonizing over issues with their children or their parents. And so there are all these things going through my mind, and, and I'm seeing how the Word of God is always relevant to those issues. Well, hi, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 176. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and the voice that you just heard is that of Pastor Phil Newton. Uh, What you're about to hear is a very encouraging conversation that centers on uh, what Phil calls pastoral preaching, uh, which means that as a pastor stands behind a pulpit and opens up God's word, that there's a responsibility that goes beyond just explaining what these particular verses mean. Uh, but beyond that, there's a, a prayerful, uh, loving, and, and pastoral way to apply God's Word to a particular congregation at a particular time and a particular place. Uh, it's a very important topic, and I think there's probably nobody better to speak to us about it than uh, Pastor and Dr. Phil Newton. Um, Phil Newton planted and served as senior pastor of Southwoods Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee since 1987. So long-term commitment. Um, Phil and his wife, Karen, have five children and six grandchildren. He's the author of several books. He is also the adjunct professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. His most recent book is called 40 Questions About Pastoral Ministry and is published by Kriegel Academic. And we're actually partnering with them to give away a few copies this week. So if you're listening to this on the week that the episode is released, uh, that means that you can enter this competition. Um, On Monday, July 12th at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, I'm gonna be doing like a giveaway on Instagram Live. And so the way that you enter this competition is that you you find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and there's going to be a post announcing this giveaway. What you got to do is make sure that you're following us already, and then you have to like that post and tag one friend. And that's it. And you're entered to win. And, uh, and some of you are going to win on Monday, July 12th at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time as I draw some winners. So I hope that you win. 
I hope that you connect to us uh, online and uh, I hope that some of you are going to get this book in your hands for free and the rest of you are going to go out and buy it yourself because it's that good. Um, So one final mention on social media. So in addition to like those public pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, we also have a private Facebook group that you're invited to join. Facebook.com slash groups slash expositors collective. It's like a a community or a place to discuss episodes, to like get commentary recommendations, or just to kind of geek out with fellow preachers on ways to improve. Facebook.com slash groups slash expositors collective. I'd love to see you there. And you can change this from just being conversations that you get to listen to, to conversations you're able to participate in. Okay, I'm going to get out of your way and let you listen in um, as myself and Phil Newton speak about pastoral preaching. I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective help you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's Word. Well, hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective podcast. I'm, I'm thrilled to uh, be in the presence uh, virtually of uh, Pastor Phil Newton. Uh, Phil, good morning and uh, welcome to the show. Good morning to you. It's good to be with you, Mike. Yeah, it's been it's been a real pleasure to uh, to, to learn from your books over the years and uh, to be listening uh, to uh, yeah sermons that you've preached and to speak to you is a, it's a real treat. So uh, so don't you let me down, okay? All right, you're very <laughs> kind. <laughs> Um, well, like often, often one of the first questions that we ask on the show, and it, it kind of allows us to, to get to know you a little bit is, um, could you, could you take us to your first, uh, your first sermon that you ever preached? Uh, I do know that it was a while ago and, uh, but could you let us in on that first sermon? Yeah, it actually was over 50 years ago. Uh, I came to faith in Christ as a 15 year old the Lord began to deal with me uh, over the next and eh, the, the the next months after coming to faith in Christ about preaching. I did not come from a family of preachers. Uh, my my dad was a funeral director, so you know I, I I was not familiar with that side of things. But I really sensed the Lord calling me to uh, to preach. So I preached my first sermon on a Wednesday night in 1970, and I. I think it was probably sometime in the summer. I don't remember the exact month, but I do remember it was a Wednesday night. Uh, I preached out of First Peter chapter four, which deals with suffering, and I, w- I was not in a church where I was accustomed to hearing biblical exposition at all. But I, I distinctly remember I, I probably did more of a running commentary, and this was a kid who didn't even own a commentary. Uh, and I just read the text and thought about it and prayed about it and looked at cross references. And I kind of worked my way through. And if I, if I remember right in that particular sermon, uh, I, you know, I, I, I was a bit nervous, you know, I, I was a 16 year old. And, uh, and so I, um, uh, I, I was having them look at some different references during the, during the sermon and so I made a notation of Matthew, but when I saw the note, it looked like MK. So I turned to Mark and read the wrong verse. And somehow or another, I tried to squeeze that in uh, without, you know, nowadays I go, oh, wrong reference. Um, 
so I distinctly remember that. And yeah. uh, there there was a sense of exhilaration in it that I love this. This this is who I am. This is where I am. This is what I want to be doing. And uh, and it wasn't because I had great examples around me. That that was really unfortunate. It was just God had worked deeply in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. So 1970 on a warm uh, Wednesday night. Uh, that's that's what a, what a great yeah introduction. And so when you kind of like, let's say, step down from the pulpit, you, you felt like this is it. This is what I'd like to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, it, there there was something um, so deep that that sense of calling, that intensity of desiring to preach, and and I remember uh, up until that point of publicly expressing that sense of God's call, I was eating, sleeping, and drinking preaching. I, I mean, I would, it was just constant, and so it it, it was sort of like somebody that's maybe anticipating doing a high dive and he's longing for it and he finally does the high dive. And even though he belly flops a little bit, it's still incredible. Yeah. Oh, well, Well, thanks for, thanks for bringing us. And I'm just, I'm just thrilled to hear about that. It's exciting to hear um, that that was obviously legitimate and, and that I I don't want to say it wasn't like the exhilaration that's carried you um, since 1970. It's been, it's been Christ Himself has been carrying you since since then. Right. But but wonderful to hear of uh, such a such a good experience. Even though there was that Matthew Mark debacle that I'm sure the congregation right. still exactly. remembers to this to this day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Apart I still from do that, after all those years, <laughs> I mean, I I couldn't tell you um, too many of the sermons that I preach after that in, mm-hmm. in the those early years. But I'm I distinctly remember that in in First Peter four, and you know what. I, I'm just glad I picked a good text. Okay, uh, and, and that I, I guess there was some sense in that, and and the Lord used it in my life. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that you um, you you did kind of by default a bit of an exposition of right. of the passage, even though that wasn't really modeled for right. you. So, how did right. you come across expositional teaching or preaching, having it not been modeled for you? Yeah, that's that's kind of fascinating to me as I look back on it, and I see the providence of God at work. Um, my my heart was burning and yearning to go to the Word and have the Word of God and let the Word of God speak, and so I I understood that as a as a really new believer. Um, my buddies and I would get together and we'd read the word and we'd pray and we'd talk about scripture. And I'm sure we had some really, really bad hermeneutics going on. But nevertheless, we were hungry. We were fellowshipping. And and so I was I was committed to the scripture. Now, I did not always abide by that in those first couple of years. I, mm-hmm. I was caught up in a lot of legalism. I remember some uh, a couple of sermons that were so horrible. They were, I mean, I look back on them now. They were so utterly horrible. I wish I could strip them away and somehow or another shred them from my memory uh, because, because of legalism. But it really was, uh, there, there were a couple of men in our area that were committed. I didn't know what I'd never heard of expository preaching, Mm. but they were committed to preaching the word. Uh, One of them was the pastor of a Cumberland Presbyterian church. I preached in his church. I remember on Sunday evening, there were seven of us uh, preaching there. There were maybe 
two or three times that many on Sunday morning at way out in the, in the sticks, but he faithfully uh, preached the word and he ran a little bakery in our town. And so every time we went in, you know, he had flour all over him, big apron. Um, yeah. He, he, he was reading from the Greek. He would come and and he would talk about the scripture. And so it affected us. And so that, that began to affect me. And once I got to college, there were a couple of pastors that were, that were doing some some level of exposition. But when I was a junior in college, I heard a really intense exposition from Stephen Olford, who was a, a Britisher, grown up as a missionary kid, and uh, came to faith in Christ, pastored in London, pastored in New York City, had an itinerant ministry at that time. And I literally could not get out of my seat with, with that first sermon out of Hebrews three and four, I just sat there and my buddy next to me who ended up pastoring that church 20 years later, um, you know, in, in God's kindness. I mean, we, we literally sat there totally dumbfounded because we'd never heard anything like that with this man who, who let the word speak with such power. So that, uh, from that point in particular, I was committed. If I stood in the pulpit, I was going to expound the scripture. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so encouraging. A this, that Cumberland Presbyterian pastor. I just think of like you know the, the world is not worthy of such men. You know, like right. bakers covered in flour studying yeah. Greek. That's 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 amazing. And then another thought: uh, your your story about hearing Hebrews like exposited. It, it reminds yeah. me of a, of a previous guest we've had on the show, uh, a guy by the name of John Tyson, um, in kind of Australian Pentecostal circles. And he visited, I think, a Baptist church, and the guy was expositing in the book of Hebrews. And 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 he said, like, I just was floored. It's like, the Bible is this good? Like, the Bible is exciting <laughs> on its own? And yeah. uh, and that's it. Like, you know, no no lights, no hoots, no hollers. It's just like the Bible is is powerful. And and when we unleash it or, or preach yes. it in such a way with its, yeah. like, self-authenticating power, that's a, that's a wonderful and, you know, life-changing thing. Yes. Yeah. M- many years later, I, w- I was reading in um, uh, a book that J.I. Packer had written, and he he was quoting one of the ancient Anglican documents, and, and it talked about how we are to be simply to be a mouthpiece for the text. And that's that stuck with me for all these years. I just want to be a mouthpiece for the text. I don't want them to, the, the people listening to think, oh, Phil is really a smart guy. I want them to see, oh, what a word, what a word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to ask essentially a kind of how have you grown since then? However, I know that's such a, such a silly question when obviously it's been since 1970, there's been a whole lot of like moments, but maybe are there kind of some, some moments that stick out to you when your understanding of the, the preaching call or the, the task that we have, when it has like been clarified or there's been growth that's taken place? Yeah, I, I think there's been all kinds of little markers along the way. I, I had a very distinct sense of calling. I mean, I mean, it, it was the kind of thing, like, as I said, I was eating, sleeping and drinking, preaching. I, 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 I couldn't get away from that. Uh, when I was in college, I uh, served at a little church. It was really 
truly a bad church, uh, and, and the pastor was not faithful in preaching the word. But I had opportunity to teach the word to some young people, and so I did that. And then uh, I had the opportunity to serve in a church. It ended up being my wife's hometown. I, you know, I didn't know her at the time, and that was a a seminal point in my life because I saw the effectiveness of the word and the Holy Spirit working in lives mm. to transform. And some of that came through teaching, some of that through uh, uh, preaching. The, I mean, there, there were several times that on Sunday morning, the pastor would say, do you want to preach tonight? And I'd say, sure. Uh, you know, not, not realizing how inadequate I was for that, but yet feeling my inadequacies. But I think out of that, uh, I've been meditating on the word and reading the word. I was very strong about having a, trying to have a good devotional life and journaling and, and that kind of thing. And so uh, those kinds of opportunities really shaped me and the impact. My, my wife and I were actually talking about it a little bit last night, but the impact of that time of ministry as a college student is still reverberating today as those that I was discipling or or um, almost all of them. There may have been one or two that that kind of faded away, but but virtually all of them are very faithful leaders in church, living living for Christ. And and I look back, and all I can say it was it was the word, it was the word in the Holy Spirit applying that word. And and you know it was during a time of of uh, spiritual awakening. It was in the Jesus movement. And and I honestly think that was a uh, a spiritual awakening, maybe not on the same magnitude as the first great awakening, but but in terms of the breadth of it, it had it had massive massive impact. So uh, that that was a s- significant point when I started pastoring and then preaching Sunday morning and Sunday night. That yeah. was suddenly I felt the challenge and in, in how inadequate I was. And now I had to give myself to to studying the word. I couldn't wing it, you know. You you go and you preach, fill in somewhere, and a guy wings it. Uh, you do that a couple of times, and and then you're out of wings, and yeah, you've got yeah. to you got to really <laughs> dig. So that affected yeah, yeah. me. And uh, and then I think in in my own in my church that I presently pastor, and I, I've been here uh, pastoring for thirty four years in in the same church and planted the church. And I've seen those different periods of preaching through particular books that just turned me upside down. Uh, preaching through Ephesians back in the uh, in the uh, early nineties, it just it literally turned me upside down. And uh, I I cherish that time uh, as you know more than more than my time going to seminary. I felt like that shaped my life. Mm-hmm. more than it really more than anything and and then preaching through different books you know preaching through um, through Genesis preaching through revelation uh, it, it took me 25 years to get my courage up to do that but the, the way we worship every Sunday I've seen the glory of Christ manifested in the church and seeing the promises of God I mean those kind of things deeply impacted me and then you know I've I've had the opportunity to to hear some wonderful preachers along the way, and they've uh, they've affected my life and shaped my life. And then reading 
reading good sermons. I've, I've read so many Lloyd Jones, Martin Lloyd Jones sermons uh, uh, over the years. You know, I read through Ephesians, I read through Romans, I you know read through his little, it's much smaller works in Philippians and Colossians and the Sermon on the Mount and, and yeah. different ones, the Book of Acts and uh, and all those have impacted me. Oh, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for that. I, I want to circle back to nearly every single one of them, but but here's just the, the one that I, I think is worthwhile. Like you mentioned a couple of times, like preaching through whole books of the Bible as yeah. being like formative um, in in your life. And then we certainly would hope that that impacts the congregation that you're serving. Um, yeah. Why, why, why should some, why should I preach through a book of the Bible? Why should preachers consider doing a, a year-long commitment or perhaps even longer to yeah. go through a massive book of the Bible? Yeah, that's, that is a really good question, and I think a critical one. Uh, for me, when uh, after hearing Dr. Oford preach, and then he met with our college group, our ministerial group, and there were, there were probably 60 of us, and, and he, he really pressed exposition through books of the Bible. So I, I decided from the get-go, I was going to preach through books. And so I, I started doing it. I remember preaching through Philippians, pre- preaching through First John, um, uh, struggling, but preaching through Acts, which I'm going through right now. Okay, but, yeah. You know, doing that in, in my first pastorate. And as you do that, one, you, you begin to preach the whole counsel of God. Uh, you, there are passages that we would, as pastors, sidestep if it was not in that next round of preaching through a book. And if we're going to preach the whole counsel of God, we got to go right through. We've got to deal with those hard passage. I mean, we we got to deal with the incestuous relationship yeah. uh, that uh, you know that, that we see in in Genesis. Um, I mean, we, well, we and, and elsewhere, with, to be honest. Yeah. 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 Those, yeah. those are the kind of things, you know, we want to get away from. So it, it helps us focus on preaching the whole counsel of God. If we're preaching good theological expositions that keep in mind biblical theology, we're teaching our people how to read their Bibles because we're showing them in a very demonstrative way as we expound the scripture, how as my friend Michael Lawrence put it, the Bible, we're, we're showing them that the Bible is not 66 books, but it's one book. Mm-hmm. And, it, and those 66 units are all connected. And so we're, we're demonstrating that. We're, we're going to, by the providence of God, deal with so many issues that our people are struggling with and wrestling with. And as we go through books of the Bible, I'm, I have personally been amazed at how often a sermon that, you know, I'm projected, okay, in six months, I'm going to preach X, Y, Z text. And we get to that point and it's like, wow, this was exactly what we needed right at this point. I mean, as a, for instance, we um, uh, plan to do, and this is where we weren't going straight through a book, but we planned to do lament Psalms last summer. And so we had this plan long before COVID came around. Yeah, yeah. And and so we finished the Gospel of Luke, and there it was. Um, the, the, the preacher is going to be, is gonna be um, stretched by going through a book. 
because he's forced to deal with hard things. He's forced to live in the context of a book of the Bible, and he's teaching his congregation to live in that in that context. And you know, you you never run out of things to preach about. If I'm sitting around thinking about a topic, and go, eh, you know, what topic do I want to do? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so so subjective. And I'd rather just have that objective word right in front of me and, and work through. Yeah. Well, my ears definitely perked up when you said that you did uh, uh, lament psalms in the summer, uh, yeah. because I think I'm going to be preaching on the lament psalms in the summer. So I'll definitely be visiting your website Good. and uh, looking at some outlines. Um, yeah, we're, we're finishing up the Gospel of John. And, oh, wow. Um, and so, and there's the summer coming up, uh, and I have a yeah. So it's like, okay, I was just speaking with with our youth director just uh, yesterday, saying I think I want to maybe just spend some time in the Psalms of Lament, and yeah. uh, so that's that's great. I look forward to listening to your sermons and uh, <laughs> incorporating well, them into my be, own. Yeah, yeah, I hope they'll be helpful. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure they will. <laughs> they must be. And then, I kind of a second thing, and this one's maybe not as like as as joyful. But you you had mentioned uh, you'd mentioned like uh, incest in Genesis. You know, I, I I think of of preaching through um, the books of Samuel, and then coming to the the Amnon and Tamar section. I, I believe it's yeah. to Samuel 13. I think. Yeah. And that's that's the series, and uh, you know, coming across it and and did did a message that largely talked about like incestual abuse and um and you know like two women came up to me to say you know that's that's my story and wow. uh you know one of them was profoundly helped and 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 the other just kind of like began a process and to think like of all the i would never include that on any you know three week <laughs> no. series on anything no. and you know really being agonizing in the in the days and weeks leading up to it to be like i gotta stand in front of everybody and talk about this yeah. um but yet having this commitment as as we do and as many as many people who listen to this podcast do of teaching through books of the bible it means that you have awkward sundays but that profoundly help some people in our churches that feel incredibly ignored or unseen but yeah. to know that you know that the god of tamar is present now and is here and ready to help Yes, that, that that's so good. And, uh, you know, you, you say uh, awkward sermons, and indeed they are, but don't we preach in front of a bunch of awkward people as awkward people standing in the pulpit? Yeah, amen. And, um, yeah. You know, I think, I think one of the things that has intensified uh, preaching for me is it's just realizing my own neediness and um, you know, di different things that I've walked through, my family's walked through, uh, uh, hardships we've walked through as a congregation, suffering that we've gone through with one another. Those kinds of things have marked my preaching, and, and it has affected the way that I apply the Word. It's affected the way that I read and study the text, and then then the way I apply the Word it, it's, uh, I mean, it just comes out like um, I'm working on the uh, uh, the story in Acts 9. My, my co-pastor, Matt Sliger, preached the first uh, nine verses about Saul's conversion. Now I'm dealing with Ananias going to him. And, and one of the things that I see in this is, you know, uh, uh, Saul of Tarsus and Ananias are not 
are not the central figures in the story. The central figure is Jesus Christ, uh, who is commanding, who is choosing, and, and who is purposing. And so I'm thinking about these purposes unfolding. Uh, I will show him, and and the Greek uses the little the little word day, the the uh, a divine necessity. I will show him how necessary it is for him to suffer on my behalf. And and so you know, I think of people in our congregation that are going through suffering right now. So I'll be pressing applications on that uh, from that text. And, and showing them, look at the purposes of God in this. Don't, don't view it as some kind of punishment. Don't view it as some kind of, of a weird thing that's happened to you. See how God is going to work in the middle of it. Wow. And, and that's from the text. That's from yes. the next section. Uh, right. That's not you in a manipulative... Uh, manipulative is a, is a loaded word, but in a... In a even no, a, a top-down strategic way of oh I want to I want to address this, but it's it's digging into the passage itself and yeah. then highlighting what you believe your your church needs to hear, right? Yeah, and you as the pastor, and so I, I'm I, I'd love to speak to you about like pastoral preaching and uh, maybe the difference between you know pastoral preaching and just plain old preaching or regular preaching. What what is what is the difference? And and this is one of the chapters of of a book that's come out recently called um, 40 Questions About Pastoral Ministry. And I'm not just gonna ask you all of those. You know, people gotta buy the book themselves. <laughs> um, but but as I was, yeah, like some of these things that are addressed in the book I wanna I wanna highlight. And maybe this is a good time to just shove in a little advert that, yeah, this week on the podcast, uh, you know, Kriegel Publishing is going to be uh, giving away some copies of this. So if you're listening to this podcast on the week that it comes out, make sure that you visit our social medias and enter because we want you, the listener, to win one of these copies. So yeah. thank you for that patience of that advertisement. But Wonderful. what's the difference thank between... You. Thank you for that. Are, isn't Kriegel great? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I'm so. I'm so glad for that. I'll have to uh, send a note and express my thanks to them on that. They're. They're. They've been great to work with. So, pastoral preaching and regular preaching are they the same? Are they different? What is that? I. Th I, I think they differ. I. One of the turning points for me in pastoral ministry years ago, uh, I was. You know, I, I had the uh, the idea. Okay. I don't need to really do a bunch of application. The Holy Spirit's going to do that. I don't want to get in the way of the Holy Spirit. You know, let's just uh, let me just preach and and we'll go for it. And one of our ladies gave me a uh, cassette tape, and so that'll tell you how long ago it was. A cassette tape of um, I think it was either Warren Wiersbe or Erwin Lutzer. Uh, uh, and and it was on application, and she said, "I think I think you may find this helpful." She was not critical or ugly. She was very supportive. Prayed for me. I listened to it, and it really grabbed me because I thought, "Okay, I am their shepherd." A shepherd doesn't just sit back with his arms folded and say, "Okay, you guys go out and find you some something to eat and find some water somewhere and kind of stay away from wolves." The shepherd is intricately involved. And so in pastoral preaching, we're getting right in the middle of our people's lives. Yeah, yeah. We're not we're not looking at the word generically. We're looking at the word specifically. How does this word affect 
my congregation that gathers at 3175 Germantown Road South in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, you know, how, how does it affect these people that have covenanted together? And, and so as I'm preparing, uh, I'm, I would do it much differently than if, you know, if you said, hey, come over and preach in my church. And, and you know, I don't know any of those folks. Well, I want to try to have a very clear biblical message. But with my congregation, I'm, I'm thinking about this person is walking through X, Y, Z issue. This person has this particular struggle with sin. This person is is agonizing over issues with their children or their parents. And so there are all these things going through my mind and, and I'm seeing how the word of God is always relevant to those issues. And, uh, and so this, this is also why I, I think it's important for the congregation to be gathered and for the pastor to know the people in the congregation because how else do you preach pastorally to them? That, you know, we, we can say, well, we all struggle with sin. I got that. Uh, we all have problems. Okay, I got that. We all have areas of, in which we're not very disciplined. Okay, I got that. But I'm aware of really specific things in people's lives. And so as I'm praying for my congregation through the week and going through and I'm, I'm praying for the, you know, for each family unit, I'm praying for the children, I'm thinking about their souls. I'm thinking about struggles they're going through. And then I'm working through the text. And I'm going, oh, this is what they need. As, as a matter of fact, this um, I'm, I'm looking at my my outline uh, for Sunday on Jesus' purposes. And when I talk about suffering, I was talking with, with one of the brothers here who um, just found out his mother has really, really bad cancer and I mean, a really severe condition. And, and so we ended up talking about suffering and I told him, I said, I'm going to be making some applications. And he said, I'm going to do my best to have her here that, you know, to try to help her along and try to help her walk through it. Uh, so pa pastoral preaching is, is not generic preaching. And I, I, I love the way H.P. Charles put it in, in his little book on, on, I think it's called on pastoring. And he's, it, he said there uh, he, he was thinking about two guys, both equally good expositors, both very strong in the biblical text, um, good exegetes, good homileticians. And he said, one of those, you could listen to a sermon a hundred years from now and you could just walk right along and go, okay, yep, yep, this guy's, you know, he's got it. He said, the other one, the guy who's preaching pastorally, there are going to be some implications in that sermon hmm. that, you won't understand unless you do some research on that congregation mm -hmm. because he's going right to the heart of it. You know, it, it in some ways, and this, I, I don't want to overplay this, but in some ways, it's a difference between putting a, a balm on a, uh, on a tumor, you know, some kind of external medicine mm -hmm. and doing surgery and taking mm -hmm. that tumor out. I think sometimes it goes to that kind of depth. Uh, and, and so, you know, you, you might listen to me preaching pastorally to my congregation and, and maybe you would say, oh, I'm going to deal with that text in a little bit different way here. I'm going to have a different application there with my congregation. But we learn from each other in those kinds of settings. Um, so that's 
that's where I think it differs. And, I, you know, I've heard wonderful sermons that I wouldn't say are pastoral sermons. You know, you go to a big conference, you hear somebody sure. preach and you go, wow, that was so powerful because they did deal with the text. But then you you go sit under some brother that's been praying for his congregation all week, who's been visiting people in the hospital, who's been having conversations with people going through trials, just like you described it a moment ago. And yeah. then you hear their sermon and it's like, wow, this yeah. is pastoral preaching. Yeah. Well, this is, this is, um, you know, we've had a lot of, a lot of episodes and pastoral preaching hasn't really gotten a treatment yet. So I'm, is it okay if I ask, if I ask more? <laughs> because sure, sure. Uh, we really want to, yeah, like make the most of it. And I think, you know, we're, we're big on the preparation process or the way to, to analyze the text as accurately as possible, yeah. which y- you, you totally agree. That's, that's right. Like yeah. that's that's a non-negotiable part of pastoral right. preaching, um, but yet there's got to be a like you, you mentioned that you know one brother would be spending time praying for the congregation, and then out of even that prayer, hi, there's there's things that are highlighted from the text. Do you mean yeah. this in kind of like a like a mystical spiritual way, or in a, just a way of being aware of the the the, the conditions of his hearers? Yeah, I don't want to over mystify it by okay, by yeah. any means. Yeah, uh, I I'm, I'm just put it like this: if you're living life together with a group of people, you're going to be speaking to them differently. Uh, when when we still had kids at home, we had five kids, uh, and uh, you know there there was a difference between the way I spoke to my five kids that I live life with, mm-hmm. and other kids that maybe we're in our church or in the community uh, you know, because I saw what was going on in their lives. I knew their weaknesses. I knew their struggles. And so I could speak to them on those areas. And that's, that, that's where I think as pastors, we have the opportunity of showing people how the word applies to everything. And, you know, they, they can run to read this self-help book or go get somebody to tell them what to do and something or, they can learn how to read the Word of God, and and I'm I'm trying to show them how do you read the Scripture, how do you, how do you see Christ in all of Scripture? Uh, so as you're working through Genesis and you you see what goes on with Judah, do you see how God in His providence with this man who had a bent for godlessness protected the messianic lineage, even, even in the middle of that. I mean, do, do you see, uh, you know, what, what's happening in, uh, in the Exodus and how God is protecting in order to bring about Messiah? You know, do you see these, you know, all these sacrifices that you read about in Exodus and Leviticus, and you're just kind of wanting to get through it? Do you see, how that is pointing to Christ and showing the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. But there was one who died once for all that did. And so do you take them to Hebrews? Do you show that connection? And I think as we do that, then, uh, and along with that, I'm regularly encouraging our people, read through the scripture. We we give out reading guides at the beginning of the year or b- before the start of the year. 
and we talked about reading through the scripture. And, and so as they're reading through, uh, I mean, uh, it, it happens often, you know, something I'm preaching on, somebody says, oh, I was reading about that this week in the Word, and this is so helpful to me. Well, you know, that's, that's what happens. It's, it's, a, it's a regular affair it, that, that the church is experiencing because you're living life together and you've got, got more of an intensity in the way you're going to be speaking into the lives of your people. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. For, for unpacking that, uh, this, this coming Sunday, as, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm finishing up John. And yeah. so we're, we're lingering on the cross for a couple of weeks, slowing Good. down. Cause I think it's appropriate Yeah, and it's, it's Christ, um, essentially, you know, uh, handing, uh, Mary to John and, and kind of John to Mary, a woman, behold your son, behold your mother. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I know what that means. I, I, I know some kind of good standard application to it. I also, and maybe you can just help me, help me in this. Um, but like, I, I know that there's at least, you know, there's, there's two mothers in, in my church that will be there that have lost sons in the past yeah. year and a half, two years, you know, yeah. uh, Carol lost Sean and uh, Jean lost Caleb, and I I want to I want to have I guess like the pathos and the and and to really hit the emotion of of that of that passage, but yet not in a way that tramples all over these um, these wonderful women in 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 the church. Um, uh, not to be like is that pastoral preaching or <laughs> I'm just, yeah. it hasn't happened yet. I'm just trying to, to really thread the needle in a way that doesn't mute it to um, that, that causes other people to, to skip a valuable part of God's word. But yet I want to do so with a sensitivity towards these women and these families. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes what happens is, is we're, we're living with our people, but we're also living with the biblical text. Mm-hmm. And I, I encourage our, the guys that I'm training live in the text, let the text become part of you. As you preach that with that sense of pathos and emotion, and it could be that in that moment of preaching, there are even tears in your eyes. Some of that is ministering to those ladies because they, they feel it in a visceral way that maybe the rest of the congregation doesn't feel. Yeah. And, and sometimes you don't even have to say anything like, why don't you that have gone through loss, why don't you find someone you can invest in? I think you could do that, but you also have to be sensitive at the moment. Is that going to be something where I'm, as you said, trampling on them, that I'm, I'm, I'm pressing them too hard at a, at a difficult time? But I think, I think you can, can still point out, look what Jesus did. Look at this sensitivity that Jesus had uh, in in this time where he knew there was going to be loss. And I think I think there's good pastoral application to encourage the congregation. Do you think of those that are going through loss? Hmm. Do you know how how do you try to meet their needs? How do you try to love love on them as you live life with them? So um, some of it, I think, is feeling that text with them. And I, I, you know, I've noticed that, um, you know, you, you go through certain experiences with people in, in your congregation 
and and you have your own experiences. I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm um, am a cancer survivor. I'm in remission, and uh, and so the experience that I'm going through. There are some people in the church that are really identifying with me. And so when I'm preaching about suffering, when I'm preaching about hope, there is an intensity in my in in my whole attitude and feelings that the congregation senses. And it's not unusual. I'll I'll see I'll see some wet eyes, even though my my sight is getting bad. You know, I'll see some wet eyes as I'm doing it and I'm feeling those wet eyes and it, it's not always I'm giving you three steps of what to do. Yes. Yeah. I'm living in this text. Now you live in this text and you find your sufficiency in Christ like I'm seeking to do. Hmm. And, and so you're, you're giving an example, you're bringing them into that kind of atmosphere where Christ is all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for, yeah, that's like, yeah, I, that, that means a lot to, to hear. Thanks for letting us into even like your own story and, uh, what, what the, the health dangers that you've passed through or are, are currently living with perhaps, but yeah, thank you for bringing us in on, on that. Um, yeah, we want to preach as real people. You know, you mentioned earlier, we're, we're awkward people preaching to awkward people, you know, and yeah. we're also real, like we're sufferers preaching to sufferers yeah. as well. Yeah. And I guess this is like, you know, uh, 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 something I didn't mention previously, you know, is like, you know, we have people in the church, you know, who's lost their sons, you know, we've had people in the church who've lost their mothers and, and I'm, and I'm one of them, you know, my mom died um, back in July of last oh, year. Man. And like, and this is, this is like, I guess, I guess I'm maybe approaching this passage. You know, we live in the text, but we also live in our bodies and we live in our lives and we also live with our our yeah. congregations. So I, I think yeah. maybe this coming Sunday, I'm approaching it with with a whole lot maybe of awareness of that this is it's not just something that happened back then. This is yeah. to some degree happening now. Uh, yeah. Not that Christ is on the cross um, giving his mother to somebody else at the moment, but yet these are very uh, it's a live situation, I suppose, that yeah. we're experiencing it together. Yeah. You know, wh- one of the things that, uh, again, as I'm teaching our guys that are that are preaching, uh, I encourage them, feel the text. And, you know, somebody can push back and say, well, it's not very academic. I don't care. I want to feel that text. This is God's word. And, you know, this is uttered from his mouth through those human instruments by the Holy Spirit. I want to feel the weight of the text. I want to feel the emotion in it. Um, I, I was uh, in my devotional reading this morning. I'm, I'm in uh, the uh, Genesis in the 40s where Joseph reveals, you know, f- finally reveals himself to his brothers. Yeah. And, and I remember preaching through that and just feeling that text and I, I read this long, long, t- I, t- I think I read two chapters, which is be highly unusual for me. But those those chapters go together. And and I told the congregation, I said, I'm, I want you to feel this. I want you to feel the weight of it without me giving all my explanations. I just want the text to do its work. And, and I was thinking this morning as I was reading, I thought, what a powerful word. And I've read it, you know, so many times. But every time I read through it, it's like, oh, 
look, look what God is doing. Look, look at this. Look at providence and, and how important God's providence is in our lives. And, you know, as I feel that in the reading of the text and the congregation feels that with me, then I begin to open that text up and expound it and make some application. They see that in, in a deeper way, in a more intense way. Yeah. 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 Well, well, Dr. Newton, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm aware of the time and, I had, you know, probably 38 other questions <laughs> I was going to ask, but people got to buy the book if they want to, if they want to hear hey, that. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe one, one like super brief question. And then I'd love if you could maybe pray, pray for us. But th- this okay. final question, it's a little open-ended, but like, but how are you trying to improve now? Like, I, like you've, you've grown a lot since, you know, 1970. Um, but is there still, is there still something that you'd like to be better at? Oh yeah, I'm I'm always wanting to evaluate my preaching, and so I try to think through my preaching. I I'm, uh, I want my spiritual life to be fresh every day, so I'm I'm very intense in my devotional time. Uh, I've got my process that I, that I work through, and I actually talk about that some in the Forty Questions book, and how how critical that is. Uh, I try to read uh, current guys, try to read old guys. Uh, I know uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I was reading Martin Bucer's uh, Concerning the Care for, for Souls. Well, you know, that's going back 450, close to 500 years ago. But what he had to say in the categories that he had to say really affected me in, in the way I'm approaching my people. So I'm, I'm trying to read these things. I'm, I'm actually uh, involved in uh, starting a PhD course in pastoral theology at Southeastern Seminary. And one of the things we're going to do, we're going back all the way to Polycarp and Ignatius oh, wow. and some, you know, some of the church fathers and reading and seeing how, how did they pastor? You know, how, how were they affected? I, I want to be affected by those guys. So I'm regularly reading. I'm I'm listening to you guys. I get in conversations. I still talk to people about sermon preparation. You know, I've I use the basic framework for what I'm, I've been doing since I was in seminary. Uh, but but I've tweaked it here and there. And 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 so I'll hear somebody describing what they're doing going, Wow. That might help me. And so a few years ago, I started um, when I do my there, there's my translation from uh, of the from the Greek of my text. And I want to have I want to see the whole text right at one time. And then I'm jotting notes down on it. So I started doing that. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll change things. If I see something that will be helpful to me in my preparation, then uh, I, I want to re- I want to change it. I don't want to get stuck in a in in a time warp and say everything has got to be like this. Sure. Uh, because I'm you know I'm learning and I and I learn from young guys. I, I listen to younger guys preach and I learn from those young guys and I'm I'm sharpened by them. Okay. Yeah. So so you have quite literally written the book on this and are quite literally teaching the course on it, but yet sounds like you're always on the lookout for ways to, to improve and, and grow. That's, that's so valuable. You know, that's, uh, that's one of the reasons why I, I make sure to ask that question, uh, these days, because, yeah. um, you know, the audience for this show is, is, you know, it's, it's aimed at like younger and newer Bible teachers, but I, I want 
all of us to know that like we're all just like scrambling to improve as much as we can and constantly grow that um yeah even even the more prominent amongst us are not done trying to um to improve their personal study and public proclamation of god's word yeah one one of the uh uh, it's almost become a joke now. On I'll get it on Friday. My wife will ask me tonight um, because I'm trying to be finished with my uh, have a good firm draft for for Sunday. By the time I get home uh, tonight, and she'll say, "Well, do you like your sermon?" And and a lot of times I come and say, eh, "I don't I don't like it." I you know I think it's true, yeah, but yeah. I don't I don't like it yet. So I'm. I'm always thinking. I want that to be sharpened. I, I want to be able to stand. Uh, and uh, and you know, I think it was Baxter that said that you know we're uh, uh, we're dying men preaching to dying people. And you know, always always preach like that, like a dying man preaching to dying people. And uh, you know, I, I've gone through some experiences that have made me feel the edge. Uh, like, okay, this could be it. And I want every sermon to count. And so that means I've, I've got to be intense on it. My preparation needs to be as best I can do it. I want to be prayed up. I want to be ready to roll. And so I'm I'm motivated uh, every week. I'm, I'm motivated on that. Um, and that's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. Yeah. Yeah. And your congregation benefits from it. Um, and um, and we we have thank you for your time. Um, would you, yeah, would you, would you pray for us? Maybe, maybe pray towards, I'm not going to tell you how to pray, but I'm going to suggest that you pray, okay. um, pray that, that, yeah, that the, um, the young expository minded people who, who listen to this podcast, um, that we'd be able to grow as, as pastoral yeah. preachers as well, not just correct, but pastoral. Yeah. I'll be glad to. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Father, how grateful we are for the time we've had to fellowship. And I thank you for my brother, Mike. And as he's opening your word to his congregation and he feels his own sense of loss in the death of his mother back in July, and he's feeling the weightiness of these uh, two dear ladies in his congregation that have gone through the loss of their sons, enable him uh, with uh, the, the beauty and the power of opening a word. Uh, to be effective in ministering uh, to not only these ladies, but to the congregation. And we pray they'll receive the word well. And I pray for my pastor brothers that are struggling and wrestling and seeking to uh, want to open the word in faithfulness each week. I pray that you will give them a freshness uh, as they approach the word. Give them a consciousness of feeding their own souls uh, even as they prepare uh, to feed the congregation the word, uh, give them in, uh, a sense of intensity that they have the privilege, the high calling of expounding your word and let them feel the weightiness of that responsibility and let them sense uh, that reality that one day we stand before you to give an account, and we want to do so with faithfulness. And I pray you'll give these brothers uh, encouragement to um, to uh, re rely upon what you have given to them, the gifts you've given to them, uh, to improve those gifts as they study, as they pray, as they exercise them, as they fellowship, as they 
uh, are held accountable. I pray that you will sharpen those gifts and strengthen them and build them up and allow them uh, to feel the beauty of your word as they open that word uh, in the weeks ahead. We commend them to you. We commend their congregations to you. Uh, Give them a, a passion to live with their people and to feel the burdens of their people and let those burdens enter into their sermon preparation and their proclamation. Use them to your glory that their congregations might be so raised up that Christ will be formed in them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Phil. Appreciate your time and your prayers. Thank you for praying for me, and thank you for praying for the rest of us as well. Uh, let me remind you all um, about the giveaway that's taking place this week on our social medias. Uh, maybe head over there right now and enter the competition. And uh, now I'm going to pass it over to Nick Katie, who is going to invite you to our next training weekend. Uh, taking place September 17th and 18th in Colorado Springs, Colorado. This is Nick Cady inviting you to the Expositors Collective Training Weekend coming up on September 17th and 18th in Colorado Springs, Colorado. This will be our first in-person gathering since the pandemic, and we are so excited to get together again for this 24-hour immersive experience, which will help you grow in your private study and your public proclamation of God's Word. We also have an option this time for you to join us online if you aren't able to come in person. This event is open to men and women ages 18 through 34 who want to grow in their ability to preach and teach the Bible. We'll have everything from outlining help to sermon prep resources. We'll be learning in small groups with hands-on application and help from seasoned Bible teachers. You don't want to miss it. September 17th and 18th in Colorado Springs. More information and registration is available on our website, expositorscollective.com. Hope to see you there.